you know, I think we're going to go through a season in Midland of um, some reduced headcounts. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you want to kind of shift to a table, you know, to kind of fill up tables or something like that. And then if we have a few more uh, ladies come in, you know, we can we can make accommodations for them. Yeah, that's what that's what Aaron said. That's what Aaron said. I think I know what it is. I, I was kidding. I was kidding, Kaylee. I, I think I know what it is. I think there was a prophetic word that went out today that said Billy's teaching tonight. So, <laughs> so, so it, it's a good night to catch up on laundry. Um, um, so, you know, before we pray, um, I, you know, um, I just want to share something with you guys. Um, first of all, thank you for the hard work, the, the hard thinking you did last Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Um, you know, the topic of election is a tough topic. And, and I, I think you, you should know that there, there are times that I, I kind of catch myself going, okay, I need to go back to the beginning of this again, you know, because, you know, sometimes I can have some times of wrestling and just needing to go back to scripture. So I want to thank you, you know, and that's something that we look at frequently, you know, and there, you know, that, that, that in our studying and preparing for sermons and all those things, you know, we can look at frequently and regularly. Y'all are, you know, living your life, raising children and you're, you know, taking care of family and work and all the things that you do. And then here comes election. <laughs> and so, so thank you, you know, for just, for leaning into it and and not and and wanting to learn and wanting to grow, um, so I also want to in, in saying that um, you know, Professor Charlotte uh, last week, you know, just she is so precious, and so I tried to make what I was hoping were helpful contributions, you know, to the conversation, and you know, I was just convicted on the way home that that you know it wasn't maybe the content was was not was not wrong or bad but i really really felt the lord was showing me that my tone was was argumentative um at certain points and so i i, I want to apologize for that thank you sweetheart but you live with me and um uh, yeah, well <laughs> I did, you know, I just, you know, to be, to teach and pastor, it's not just teaching correct doctrine. It's, there's a heart and tone that need to be associated with it, you know? And, um, and, you know, so, you know, I just had this picture. So this is, these are the times God and I, you know, kind of, I'm convicted. I know I asked him to forgive me. He forgives me, of course. And, and then we kind of laugh um, because I just had this picture of, I'm well intended, but I'm I'm wanting to force feed you the green pastures, <laughs> rather than rather than leading you into like a shepherd would, leading you into green pastures and having you lay down in those green pastures, eat and meditate on them and things like that. So, so anyway, I sure love y'all, and um, you know, uh, thank you for your graciousness and. Um, in leaning into the teaching last week and, um, and continuing to lean in. 
I mean, it's just been so exciting see. to watch you really follow hard after the Lord. Billy's going to sing. You know, and wanting to know him better, um, you know, and, and how important yeah. to all of that. Thanks. I want to add one more thing. That, you said that. that um, there's one thing that I thought about that I wished I would have shared, but maybe it's just a good thing tonight. When we're doing a study in systematic theology, it's a great study, and, and there's a bazillion wonderful things to learn and glean from it. If there's, if there's a, it's not even a downside, it's there, if there's a caution, what we can do is we can kind of take a doctrine of scripture and we study it almost as a standalone topic. Well, you know, the Bible, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is one story. And so, so all of it fits together. Um, so, you know, you know, the different pastors have different ways of referring this. So when they're preparing a sermon, a pastor looks for either what, what's called the fallen condition focus of a text. Um, another way that you could define it is an intended redemptive effect of a text. Um, I, I kind of mix that up a little bit to say, what's the intended pastoral effect of the text? Because we don't want to just inform your minds. You know, God's word wants to get to your heart. That's where change takes place. That's where your affections for God grow. That's where our humility increases. That's where our, our passion to worship him, you know, resides. And so, you know, over the next year, you know, as you're doing your daily Bible reading, just devotional life or listening to a sermon or whatever, there's something unique about the intended redemptive effect of the doctrine of election. And we talked about some of it last week, we talked about humility, you know, it, it really does, you know, bring us, um, humble us before the Lord. We talked about confidence in evangelism, because, you know, it's now not just all up to us to have to convince somebody, you know, we, we let God's word do God's work, and God's spirit does what the God's spirit does to open people's eyes. Um, here's one more, and I think this, this will lead into our prayer time, and I think this one is super important given, um, you know, just what we've been watching, you know, what's going on in Afghanistan, I think what, what, what has been gripping me is not just brokenness and prayer for them, but that that is happening to our brothers and sisters in many other countries without being on the news, you know, and, um, so here's where I think the doctrine of election, and if you could call it bookends. So, you know, the doctrine of election and the doctrine of the preservation of the saints to persevere to the end. You know, some people want to call that eternal security. So these two doctrines, you know where you find them a lot in scripture? Is when it's talking about a suffering persecuted church. That's the intended redemptive effect. Because can you imagine what it would mean for someone hiding in their the darkness of their home or running to the mountains and they're hiding in a cave and remembering God saying, hey, listen, remember, it wasn't you that started this relationship. I started this relationship with you. And I'm going to lead you all the way home. That's the doctrine of election. And that's the doctrine of, of perseverance of the saints is it, it, it helps us remember that the faith that we have to, that was saved us, came, it didn't come from ourselves, it came from God as a gift. 
and the faith that will lead us all the way home, we're not having to sustain and manufacture, but he's manufacturing it. I mean, he's sustaining it. And isn't that good news? That's just such good news. So I hope you'll remember that just when times are hard for your heart, um, it's just a precious gift from God. Those are, that's how doctrine, God wants to use doctrine. Actually, the word sound doctrine, it means health producing. It's, it's, it's healthy for your soul. So it's supposed to have ultimately effect upon your heart. So can we pray? Heavenly Father, we, we certainly love you. And uh, Lord, thank you for the precious people that you've called to uh, make uh, this church their home. And oh Lord, there's such a joy, such a joy to pastor. Uh, God, such a joy. You give so much grace through them to uh, the members of this body, to, to their pastors. And uh, so we just want to thank you for the gift of Christ and the gift of Christ Church. And Lord, we turn our hearts uh, now, Lord, it's just kind of gripping how you, you have us in Daniel, right? When he, he's just so troubled, he can't even get out of bed because of the persecution and the evil and the hatred that, that would be cast upon your people. And so, Lord, we really got a sense of how he felt on Monday morning. Um, so, Lord, thank you for inviting us to share in your sufferings. Thank you for inviting us to weep with those who weep. And we do pray for our brothers and sisters in, in the persecuted church of Afghanistan. God, we pray, God, that you would, you would sustain their faith, that you would, you would give them courage and boldness in their witness, that you would protect them from the evil one the way Jesus prayed. Oh, Lord, we pray that we pray that what the, what the enemy is intending for evil, we, we look for how you're intending it for good. And we pray that one of those things might be multitudes of people getting saved, that the Taliban would, would freak out because they're losing person after person to the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, oh God. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the study tonight. We were so grateful that you're a risen Savior. And, and because of that, we know you live. We love you. And please fill us, guide us, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So because he lives. So let me ask a younger. So Willow and Aspen, let me ask you, have you ever heard your mom and dad saying, because he lives, I can face tomorrow? Does that, does that phrase sound familiar? Is that every? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vanessa, do you know the song? Yes. Charisma, do you know the song? Okay. So let me, so is any, who, does anyone not know the song? Cam, you don't know the song. That's and if it's totally okay, I did this for the men's class, and Eric and Eric and I were laughing because I think he and I were the only ones that sang it. Um, and and Don, Donald, Donald sang it. Donald sang it. Um, oh, and Brad knows it too. Yeah. Well, so so here, here I want to start tonight this way, and I want to end tonight this way. Um, because he lives is the doctrine of the resurrection. And I think a lot of times when we think of the resurrection, we're not bringing it all the way home. It's not coming back to 
um, the, 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 what I'm facing today that I'm facing because he lives. And I think we forget, and when you remember that, even when you're studying the word, just that phrase, and we'll, we'll do a little fun exercise at the end, just that phrase, I think is going to just kind of make scripture even more delightful than it already is, you know? So, so, um, so my dad, Jan, no, Jan heard my dad tell me this. So my dad said, son, when you sing, um, this is what it sounds like. It sounds like the noise a cow would make if someone was stepping on its udder. <laughs> so we're going to press on. Um, so can we just, can we just lift that song up to the Lord? You know, it's simple lyrics. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. So can we sing that? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth a living just because he lives. I love that song. Always have loved that song. So here we go. The what? I didn't. I didn't sound like a cow. Shari, welcome. You just missed it. We sang and I didn't sound like a cow. Oh. <laughs> We're going to sing it again at the end. Here you go, sweetheart. Okay. All right. Here we go. So, the resurrection. Um, so, we're not going to. Oh, yeah. There's some more. There's some more. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is great. Alan's worked so hard to have cross-references listed for everybody and, uh, and great quotes that we'll be reading from tonight. So what we're not going to do tonight is we're not going to kind of go at the resurrection from the standpoint of, of proving it historically, biblically historically. There's a lot of good resources out there about that. Um, and so we'll leave you to, to those if you want to, to better understand uh, the proof, the evidences of the historicity of the, of the resurrection. Um, what we, I thought I'd sneak that one by you. Um, I, <laughs> I think it's a word. I may have mispronounced it, but uh, historicity, I don't know what it, never mind. Um, anyway, it has to do with like historical evidence. Um, so here's, here's the joy of this doctrine. We can't underestimate it. And I think we kind of do. I mean, it's the Lord never wanted us to underestimate the value of this truth, uh, because 
it is so faith building. And that's what I was praying. Lord, please let this study just build your faith tonight, refresh your faith tonight. Um, so most of the time, people study to try to find the proof for it. There's certainly a place for that. We don't want to stop there. We want to kind of what I said, we want to let Lord, would you show us the intended redemptive effect? of the resurrection, the intended pastoral effect of how you want it to minister to our hearts. So on, um, <laughs> so Wayne Grudem on page 76, um, he, he references uh, the following. Throughout the Acts, the book of Acts and epistles, the church is encouraged to trust in him as the one who is alive and reigning in heaven. And then I would also add to that, and it's not just alive and reigning to heaven, but alive and present with us right now. So let's don't, sometimes I want, we always need to stop and go. Let's remember, stop and go, that sounds funny. Um, let's remember that it's not just us here in this room. The Lord Jesus Christ is with us. It's just so encouraging. That is so encouraging. And so here's, here's the first quote. So this is, it. This is in your notes um, by Sam Storms. I love this. Can somebody read that, the Sam Storms quote? I can honestly say that it's saved my life. Everything I am, everything I own, everything I have, everything I have done, everything I will do, everything I will So good. I love that. I staked my life on the empty tomb. Wow. So good. Okay, so let's kind of unpack some details about the resurrection. Scripture is really clear and straightforward in claiming and explaining the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. So his resurrection is a critically distinguishing factor. Um, you know, so when you think about the crucifixion, you know, let's remember that it wasn't just Jesus that was crucified on a cross. So just the crucifixion by itself is not all there is to the story, because there were other people crucified. So what made Jesus's different? What caused his to be so distinct? Um, so it's, it's critically a distinguishing factor. Um, others, and then even the resurrection, we need to, his resurrection, so his death, needs to be distinct from other deaths on the cross. But even his resurrection is distinct because there were some other resurrections, remember? So his resurrection was also distinct and that's gonna be a blessing. We're gonna talk about that in just a second. So tell me how Jesus's resurrection was not like Lazarus's resurrection. Both were raised, but how was Jesus's different? He ascended to heaven. That's going to be our last point tonight. There's a, you're going to love this little quote from Spurgeon when we get there. Um, he ascended to heaven, but before even that. So, yeah, so it was, that was something going on between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Lazarus needed help, right? He couldn't, he couldn't do that. Um, what happened with the rest of Lazarus's life? He's going to die again. Yeah, I, that was... <laughs> I know, Ken's, I was a little worried about the tone that you said that, you know, just, just going to die again. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a, that was a mom. Okay. That was a tired mom. Um, 
So he does, he dies again, but let's think of, so he gets tired. So he's raised from the dead, but he still gets tired. He was raised from the dead, but he's still just as tempted by sin and sins still just as probably as much, maybe a little less, hopefully um, after that experience. But so Jesus's resurrection and his death were distinct. His resurrection was the Bible calls the first fruits from the dead. And what that's really meaning is that his resurrection is a new kind of human life, which in which he has a perfect body that so unlike Lazarus, who gets tired, this body doesn't get this glorified, this resurrected body doesn't grow weary. This resurrected body is not tempted by sin and won't sin. Uh, so you start to see this resurrected body lasts forever. And so when the, when the Bible talks about the first fruits from the dead, that Jesus is the first fruits, what it's essentially saying is that, that was, if we were doing farming back in those days, you would get the first fruits. And, and so girls, so can you imagine? So let's say, let's say what it, uh, let's say it's a, tell me a fruit. A what? Apple. Apple. So it, we're going to take the first fruit and we're so excited Okay, and we're gonna try the first fruit. And it tastes like yuck. You wanna like, yeah, it's just terrible. Well, if that's what the first bite tastes like from the first apple picked, what do you think the rest of the crop's gonna be like? It's gonna be similar, right? But what if you've never had such a good apple, right? What does that make you wanna do? Go get some more. Right. So that's the kind of the storyline about Christ is his resurrect, his, his body, the, 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 the ability now to live forever and not sin anymore. Well, Jesus never sinned, but for us not to sin anymore, that's the first fruits. So everyone who trusts in him is going to be like that first fruit. Does that make sense? So the, the, uh, Jesus was the sweet apple, the sweet first fruits and we will all be like him. Isn't that cool? It is just so cool. What a, what a joy. That's what we're hoping and expecting. And that's, that's our hope. Um, so it's a body that will live eternally. It's, you know, 1 Corinthians 15 talks about uh, putting on the imperishable, putting on immortality. I made so many, we were talking to a couple the other night about my, my many bloopers as a pastor at a funeral, so I'm reading 1 Corinthians 15. So we're talking about, you know, the, the perishable will put on imper imperishable, right? The perishable will put on imperishable. So the mortal, the word's supposed to be, will put on what? Immortality. And I say, the mortal will put on immorality. <laughs> So thanks for letting me still be your pastor, you guys. I have, I have made so many bloopers like that. So, you know, Christ, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a, just a spiritual, it's not just a, a ghost-like kind of a resurrection, physical resurrection. We know that by, give me some of the examples post-resurrection in his, in his fellowship with the disciples. How do we know it was, he had a physical body? He ate fish. Yeah, Thomas is touching him. At one point, the disciples are falling down and grabbing onto his feet. So this was a physical resurrected body. Um, and the resurrection, so this is important. So we say the cross a lot, okay? 
could you kind of, and, and this one, I'm, I'm wanting to do this in my own heart. Could we grow in the discipline of when we're talking about the cross, we may be talking about God's wrath being settled and, and those things, but what the Bible speaks of the cross, it really is speaking of the whole package. It's really speaking of, of his death, his burial, his resurrection. Uh, Willow's being baptized on Sunday. And so that's what we've been, that's what we've been talking about, right? Um, oh, did you not want me to say anything? Oh, is that okay? I always goof. I always goof it up. Yeah. Oh, balloons and flowers. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so that, that's one of the things, you know, as we do our baptism class, remember, um, we've died with Christ. We were buried with Christ and we've been raised with Christ. And it's, that's, it's baptism is sermon to the eyes. It's a sermon to the eyes. Would somebody uh, open 1 Corinthians chapter 15? and read verses 14 through 22. Uh, verses 14 through 22. It's just that that passage is such a preeminent passage on the resurrection. It's so encouraging, so encouraging. Um, so let's let's keep unpacking this a little bit more. Um, Adrian Warnock, the quote. I, do you have that quote in your notes? Can somebody read the Adrian Warnock quote? Yeah, so that just drives the point home for us. Um, so let's look at the results of the resurrection, because this is, this is where it starts coming closer and closer to our heart, to our daily lives, to our parenting, our marriage, our evangelism, ministry in the church, our prayer life, I mean, so much. Um, so the resurrection essentially validates everything Jesus did and said. It was, it was the proof. 
that was the proof. So that's what's separating his death from other deaths on the cross, right? Um, it's actually your proof. You know, sometimes we, we say it this way, the empty tomb in Jerusalem is your proof that God accepted the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for your sins. Because I guess you could maybe say, okay, well, if Jesus died, okay, you say that he, that, that uh, the price was paid, but is there a way to know? Is there a way to know? Yes, there is. The resurrection. The resurrection is how we know. So let's kind of dig deeper into that. So it validates everything he said and did. It validates his saving acts as well as his inspired words from the Lord, uh, his inerrant and sufficient words that he, that he speaks to us. And if what he said and did is really real, it changes everything. That's what separates Christianity from Buddhism and Islam and all of these. Well, there's a lot that separates, separates that, but it changes everything. And I think we could say it changes everything because it changes us. And that's what's supposed to happen. It changes everything. And most specifically, it changes us. Um, so if Christ rises from the dead, I think this is now kind of a discipline. So if you find yourself your mind kind of wandering into discouragement or despair or hopelessness. I think, I think the resurrection helps us remember that, wait a minute, I need to believe that he loves me and he accepts me and he's forgiven me because the resurrection is my proof. So when I'm despairing, the resurrection is my proof that I'm to accept what he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then don't believe him. If he didn't rise from the dead, then don't believe you're forgiven. But because he rose, you are so forgiven. You are so forgiven. Yeah, babe. So, as you read this from the Pentecostal lessons you did, it's like Yeah, if there was a picture of the Old Testament that foreshadowed it, it would be the high priest going into the Holy of Holies once a year. And if that lamb was acceptable, he would, he would put the blood on the, the um, Ark of the Covenant on the mercy seat. And the proof that it was accepted is that the high priest gets to come out, right? So it's, it's a, it, so it really is, it's an old, it's another gospel shadow in the Old Testament. I love those, golly. So you, can you imagine the people, you know, I mean, in different authors talk about this. So, you know, I guess there's enough evidence to, to say that, that they, they would tie a rope to the, to the ankle of the, uh, the high priest 
Because if it's not accepted, if he's not accepted, if he's not done all the appropriate cleansings and all that stuff, and if the, if the animal wasn't accepted. Hello, <laughs> you, you know, um, and so no one else is going to want to go in there, right? You better not. And so what do you have to do? You have to pull him out of there, you know, can you imagine the despair of the people? If that if that happened, I mean, what do you what do you do? Do you do you try again? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's get the what the one we had in quarantine. Can we get that in the next high priest down? Oh man, but but can you imagine the people just pins and needles probably, and he comes out. Oh, how much better our Jesus is. How much better our Jesus is. So, uh, such a, uh, this is so fun. So, uh, Tim Keller, somebody want to read the Keller quote and then somebody follow that with the MacArthur quote? Uh, so good. Amen. How about the MacArthur quote? Oh, so good. So good. Okay, so here's some personal application that I hope is, is just going to bless your heart um, and just meet you where you are in, in the various, you know, the various contexts of where you find your heart today. Um, so the first one is the resurrection is really what ensures our born again experience. Our, we, the word is regeneration. So could somebody read 1 Peter 1 verse 3? So do you see, look at it. So according to his grace, great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. So there's regeneration to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So in other words, the same spirit that raised Christ physically from the dead is the same spirit that raised your heart up spiritually from being dead in sin. We're going to... Now we have more in store than that, just that, right? That's kind of the resurrection of our, when we were dead in sin, he made us alive together with him. So there's like a spiritual resurrection. We've come alive to God and there's better to follow. So the physical and eternal realms of that is, is going to follow in regard to having a, a imperishable and immortal body. <laughs> um, so, so the resurrection is, is what ensured our regeneration. And it just gets to me, you know, I, I just probably think, make, think too small of the Holy Spirit that I, I just think, wow, it was so powerful for Jesus to raise, to, for God to raise Jesus from the physical death. Well, this is saying your heart was that dead. And it was just a big a miracle that he took your hard heart and turned it into to flesh. It turned, right, the heart of stone, he turns into a heart of flesh. 
and he makes your heart tender to love him and want to follow him, you know? Let's don't think small of that miracle. Let's don't just go, wow, big miracle on the third day. The big miracle's in you too, you know? The same spirit did that, that raised Jesus from the dead. So it's uniquely and inseparably tied to the resurrection, um, our, our regeneration, our born-again experience. It's, it's the act of the Holy Spirit imparting to new life to our otherwise dead hearts, uh, being born again. This is something God does to us. That's what you guys were saying. It's not something we do to ourselves. Well, I think that was your answer. That was so, such a good answer. And it's just something that happens through the resurrection. Um, I, was, I was on a phone call with a broken-hearted young man last night just from a different city. Uh, I, was, I was called and asked if I could talk to this young man and um, his wife has threatened divorce. And, um, and so I was just asking him, what is your hope that God can change a hard heart? Well, you know where his eyes were on the hard heart of his wife. And it looked impossible. And that's where he, that's where he kind of kept telling me, Pastor Billy, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to disagree with you, but you don't know, you don't know my wife. You don't know where her heart is. Uh, her, her heart is the hard, I've never seen a hard heart like that. I said, no, you never have. You had one. I did? And it just, he, he hadn't, what I was discovering was he just really didn't have a gospel reference for his life, you know? Um, that's, that's our hope, is that the power that raised Jesus physically from the dead is the power that has no trouble, but it takes, it's still just as powerful, but has no trouble taking the hard human heart and making it tender to Christ. So if he can take that kind of hardness and make the heart tender, is there any other, is there, in marriage, is there a hard heart? He can't make that heart tender too. Or the, a situation with a, with a, a co-worker or a, a church member or, oh, he specializes in, in making hard hearts soft again. But the proof is our salvation. So that's a, it always, the, the miracle of that is to inform our faith as we, as we inter, interact with each other, you know? Um, it's our hope that what he does to us in our salvation, then he can also do for our relationships. And that's, I don't know what you do if you have, don't have that hope. Well, I think you're like this young man. He just felt like giving up. Like, well, why even try? Anyway, I won't, I won't get into that. Why even try? That's why I want to, what do you mean? Why even try? Because, oh, anyway, let's keep going. Okay. Um, so, uh, how about, um, I thought this was a quote. So Christ earned for us, I don't think this is in your notes, Christ earned for us a, a new future life that is like his own. Although our bodies are not yet like his new body, our spirits have already been made alive with resurrection power. Um, Romans eight eleven says, if the spirit of him some of y'all know this, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. It's just so good. So needed, so precious. Um, 
And uh, this helps us, it gives us encouragement that we, we can have the power of God for sanctification, the power of God to say no to sin, the power of God to make disciples locally and globally. All of this is our encouragement that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. But do you see, sometimes we quote that passage, but we're not thinking of the risen Savior. Well, he's in us, you know, because he lives, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. He's living in you. And that's why he's greater. It's not just theology, it's reality. Um, uh, let's see, it demonstrates God's ability to triumph over death, both physically and spiritually. Um, we're experiencing the spiritual triumph now, and we will experience the physical triumph. So uh, that was a little bit of a repeat. Um, so let's go further to uh, John Calvin's quote. Does somebody want to read uh, Mr. Calvin? Yeah, just so good. So that's it again, kind of tying it back into the, the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection are one necessary uh, redemptive effect. Um, so that just that is so good. So it's our hope for the power of God to give us strength to sanctify us, to transform us. Um, so the next one, and, and Jimmy, you were talking about this really, the resurrection ensures our justification. Um, so would somebody read Romans 4.25? So he was delivered up for our trespasses. Well, there's the punishment of Christ on the cross for our sins and raised for our justification. Why do you think that it's associating the resurrection with justification? Yeah. Are we, did, did his death make a difference? Was it counted? Right, so just like we, we were saying is, is the resurrection is the proof of acceptance. It's the resurrection of the proof of acceptance of Christ's taking your, your place and punishment, but it's also the proof of God accepting you, you know, because of the resurrection. So he's accepted the death of Jesus, and, and that's why Jesus says it's finished. And God is saying the same thing, and, and God says it a different way. Jesus says it from the cross, the resurrection says it in a, in uh, kind of puts the exclamation mark on it. It was paid for. There is no more price to pay. Um, our union with him and his resurrection is our assurance of our eternal right standing with God in Christ. So it's, it's, it's reckoned as righteous. You've been made alive. You've been counted righteous, but it's, it's in the resurrection. It counts for eternity. Because is Jesus ever going to die again? No. So your justification, your righteousness, even if we have a rotten day, your righteousness stands because it's not based on your works, but the work of Jesus, you know, not just yours. Um, would somebody read the longer quote from Wayne Grudem? Work is complete, and 
longer had any need to remain dead. There was no penalty left to pay, no more wrath of God to bear, no more guilt or liability to punish. All had been completely paid for, and no guilt remained. This, is, this explains how Paul can say that Christ was raised for our justification. God raised us with him, Ephesians 2 says. Then, by virtue of our union with Christ, God's declaration of allegiance to us is also his declaration of approval of us. When the Father in essence says to Christ, all the penalty for sin has been paid, and I count you not guilty of righteousness or but righteousness, he is thereby making a declaration that will also apply to us once we trusted in Christ for salvation. This way, Christ's resurrection also gave us positive proof that he has conquered death. It's just so good. So I, you know, I was asking the Lord, Lord, can you minister to, to everyone's heart tonight? Um, just in just in a sweet way through the Holy Spirit, through these truths. And, you know, one person, one kind of heart that maybe all of us face now and then is just a condemning heart. That your that your heart condemns yourself. That that you're more aware of all the ways you fall short. That you're more aware of your sins than you are Christ's work. And it's just easy to start feeling like I'm under condemnation. I know I'm I know I'm a Christian, but I feel condemned. Well, it's because you're condemning yourself, right? Um, how do we help people out of that that pit? Because it's what it feels like a pit. And I think it, 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 it has some seeds, right? When, when I have my fights with depression, I just, you know, I, I say frequently, I'm the worst sinner I know, but when I'm depressed, I'm the worst sinner I know, and there's no hope for me. It's a different thing to say, I'm the worst sinner I know, and grace is so amazing. But a lot of times, I'm the worst sinner I know. And uh, I should have known better. I, how could I do this sin again and again and again? I mean, how do we help people out of that? The doctrine of justification. It's the doctrine of justification. The risen Savior for all eternity has declared you eternally righteous. Your standing is secure in him. That's, I mean, that, that lifts a heart. That lifts a spirit. So even Romans, one of our favorite verses, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he was raised for our justification. <laughs> that's, that's why there's no condemnation. Yeah. 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 If I had a cup of coffee with you and I asked you, how often do you, how often do you struggle? You might feel like I'm forgiven, but I'm not acceptable. Uh, I, I know God's forgiven me, but I don't know that he's accepted. I, I don't know. I, what I've been thinking lately, the anger I've been feeling, you know, um, that people I love, 
I just don't feel very acceptable. And isn't, again, the resurrection. That's, you know, this is where we want to be able to take scripture and bring it to each other's heart, you know, and that's the beauty. That's the, that's the intended redemptive effect again, you know, so um, it, it, it guarantees and it, it ensures our glorification that we're going to have resurrected bodies. Um, the other day, Johnny Erickson Tata, everybody's familiar with Johnny. Bless her heart. I mean, she's not only been quadriplegic for so many years, she's had two, two different kinds of cancer. I mean, just, and somebody came to her the other day and, and, you know, it's this principle that she's going to have a glorified body, but her answer really got to me. She said, they said to her, aren't you excited that when, when you go to heaven, you're not going to be in a wheelchair anymore. You know, you're going to, it's all brand new, never to die, never to, you know, and she says, that'll be good. That'll be good. But I'm, what I'm really looking forward to is not sinning against my savior anymore. <laughs> Do you ever feel like, I don't think I'm at a kindergarten yet, you know, in terms of Christian maturity, that is just such a dear, dear, dear heart. Because it's a wonderful promise, uh, especially when we've watched someone suffer with a long illness. You know, if we've had to go through a long time of, of suffering and pain, what a promise that this is just, this uh, sorrow lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning and, and there's going to be an eternal joy for that. Um, resurrection ensures our confidence that Christ is ruling over every earthly power. Uh, he shall reign until he's put all enemies under his feet. That's another passage in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, so those are those areas where it can really bless our hearts. So I'll go kind of quick with this last part. It's Jesus's ascension. That was the second part of the chapter. Um, so you tell me, how often are you thinking of his ascension in your day-to-day -day Christian life? Yeah, me too, just so you know. Yeah, yeah, on the, yeah, you know, in the church calendar, well, you know, yeah, so, you know, we, we celebrate Easter, and we know that he then, you know, days later is going to ascend, but, you know, and the church, in the, for years on the church calendar is the day of ascension, that people remembered it. I don't remember it, and let's talk about why we should. Go ahead, Amy. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness there was so i'm trying to think I don't, chris i don't know if you were here yet vanessa you remember pat um mike and marianne's marianne mike's mom marianne's mom marianne's mom miss pat was one of precious ladies in our church and um the lord's taken her home and near the end of her life i remember visiting her and uh just this is where i'm getting you just reminded me of this story and uh, she said, Pastor Billy, doesn't the Bible say that Jesus is going to return on the clouds? And I said, Miss Pat, yeah, it does. And then she says, it's been kind of cloudy lately. <laughs> Don't you love that, though? That, that, that's the way she was looking. 
you know, it just was so sweet, so sweet. Well, Jesus um, ascended to a place. So it's, it's not just, it's not Star Trek, right? You know, I mean, I guess they said they'd go to a place too, but, um, but he ascends to a place um, and, and Stephen actually saw him at that place when, when he was being stoned. Jesus, uh, Stephen saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God at that point. We know that, that uh, upon his ascension, did he stand or did he sit at the right hand of God? He sat. And why? Because as a priest, the only time you would sit is if what? Your work is done. There's no more redemptive work to do. Now, does he care about us? Does he care about your suffering? And that's why he was standing when Stephen was being stoned. I want you to picture that, how he, how he feels about you. He's not just up there going, okay, well, you'll get through this. <laughs> Can you, he's, he's, he's involved and he's standing and he's overruling. And, and, and so here he is, he's ascended. And now he's reigning now, right? He's reigning. And, and what he's doing with all of your trials is he's saying, bow down, you bow down. And, and you, I wanna use you to sanctify her. You bow down. I wanna use you to bring about a miracle in her life. I mean, that's, that's the way he does. I, I, um, oh, I, my memory on songs. How firm a foundation is the song. There's that phrase that, that he says, and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. That's what the risen Savior is doing, the, the ascended Savior. He's ruling over you in such a way that your deepest distress is only going to grow you in his character and cause you to experience it more of his love. Because that's what he's doing with our trials. Um, so he was seated at God's right hand. That was the finished work. Um, his, his ascension gives us hope for heaven. Um, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. So it's, it's just that sense of, okay, as he went to a certain place, it's our guarantee that we are going there too. So it's just such, such a, such a hope. Um, um, so this is what I want to encourage you about. Um, oh, let's do, let's, one last quote. Can somebody read the Adrian Warnock quote? Oh, so good. It's just so good. So I told you about Spurgeon. Spurgeon had a great illustration of Christ ascended. And, you know, we are, he's not only united with us here, but we're also united with him there. So we, as he's seated at the right hand of God, well, we're in him. 
So, so you're united with him at the right hand of God. You're pretty secure, wouldn't you say? And that's a secure salvation, right? Um, so that's, that's I won't get into, there's so many cross references for that. So this, so again, another, I hope this ministers to your heart. I, I want you to think about what, what's one of the trials you're facing right now? What's, what's one of the trials you kind of feel like the water's getting a little deep? Um, you're not, maybe not underwater yet. Somebody, maybe some of you feel like I'm already underwater. I'm, I'm just trying to get my nostril, I'm getting one nostril out, out of the water. Um, it, you know, you maybe feel like, well, I'm almost under, I'm spitting out salt water, you know. Um, well, Spurgeon had this awesome illustration about Jesus ascending, seated at the right hand of God. He's ascended, he's there. We are there with him. And this is the way he illustrated it. He said, so let's take, you know, let's say, let's give a personality to the various parts of your human body, okay? So he says, so here you are, you're on the beach, you know, and at this point, all the members of the body are all excited about being on the beach, especially if you're Jan. Um, so that's, she says, that's her love language. Being on the beach is her love language. Um, uh, I keep trying to convince her. We're sort of like on a beach here in West Texas. It doesn't work though. <laughs> I know, I know, honey. I wish I could take you there more. Um, so, so Spurgeon says, uh, Eric was wrong. You need to stay right here because of the camera. Um, so he says, so, but imagine now, you know, so you, you start to go into the water and imagine now the toe, okay? Your big toe. Big toe's got a personality, right? It feels things, it thinks things. <laughs> so, so here you go. You're going down into the water and most of the rest of the body's having fun. Not the big toe. The big, the big toe is, is starting to go, this used to be fun, but right now I'm feeling like I'm drowning. Uh, I, I, I think I can see some light. I think I see a little bit of the sky, but, but we keep going deeper. It's getting darker. And if your big toe had a personality, it could legitimately feel like this might be the end for me. And so now here's where Spurgeon turns the table. He says, until the big toe remembers, wait a minute, as long as the head is above water, even if I feel like I'm drowning, I'm gonna be okay. And then Spurgeon in his way, then he says, your head, is in heaven and you're part of his body, you're gonna make it. Isn't that just such a great, oh, I love that. I've, I've had to tell myself that story, really rooting it back in scripture. That's the, that's the precious value. So y'all be thinking of some of the songs we sing. Um, Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. Why? Because he lives. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no, no tongue can bid me thence depart. Why? Because he lives. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and I see him there who made an end of all my sin because he lives. Because the sinless Savior died, 
my sinful soul is counted free. For God, the just, is satisfied to look on him and pardon me because he lives. Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace, because he lives. What in himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ, where? On high, <laughs> with Christ my Savior and my God. So, a little fun exercise. Because he lives, he guards my heart and mind with peace that goes beyond understanding. Because he lives, I can fear not and let not my heart be troubled because he overcame the world. Because he lives, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because he lives, all things work together for my godly good. Because he lives, I can grieve with hope. Because he lives, I can help and respect and submit to a husband, or I can love and lead and sacrifice and nurture and cherish a wife. Because he lives, I can train up my children in the way they should go. Because he lives, I can go into all the world and make disciples. Because he lives, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Because he's with me. So do you see how it just, it's, it just makes the scripture even, just, it's just a sweet reminder, isn't it? So sometimes I look at scripture and I think, this is, okay, this is what I need to try harder. I need to, oh no, because he lives. So can we sing it one more time to close? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives well and that's the end <laughs> um